Now it's my honor to introduce our speaker for the morning. Dr. Philip Knight is currently the Executive Director for the Food Bank Council of Michigan, a licensed professional counselor in Michigan, and a certified leadership trainer with the John Maxwell Group Equip. Dr. Knight's work from 2003 until today includes success in conflict resolution and team building, lobbying, political campaign strategy, and fundraising, trade association establishment management, and international leadership development in 128 different countries. In addition to his duties as executive director of the Food Bank Council of Michigan, Dr. Knight is an adjunct professor instructing in psychology, philosophy, counseling, and cultural issues. He is also the author of The Diamond, the Diamond Life, a leadership workbook designed to grow the next generation of leaders from within an organization. He also hosts a weekly show, The Leadership Lowdown on Business Network, on the Michigan Business Network. Sorry, on my original page it went to two. So ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming this morning Dr. Philip Knight. Thank you very much. Well, good morning, everyone. You have your coffee? No? Something. Well, I appreciate being here at 9 a.m. in the morning. It's much easier and much better to speak to a group at 9 a.m. than it is 2 p.m. after lunch. Now, I know you're not going to be here, uh, but in the conferences that we have, uh, that we work with, and uh, that we're able to participate in, it's always great to be in the morning. Everybody's fresh and alert. You have in front of you or close to you some pipe cleaners. So uh, this is very important. This may be the most important work that you do all day or at least with me this morning. So what I'd like for you to do as we go across, the, go through the morning together is take these pipe cleaners and, uh, and create something, whatever your mind comes to. Maybe you're going to hear a thought Maybe when we turn around and work with each other in groups, um, maybe you're going to hear a, a, an idea and it's going to resonate with you. Um, and, and being what your profession is, maybe you're going to make a house here. I don't know. But you're going to create something. And then sometime in the morning, we're just going to spot check you and ask you to stand up, show us your creation, and explain to us why you made it. Um, now, one of the reasons that we do this is because it's an active listening exercise that if your hands are busy, uh, then your mind will be engaged. And a lot of times we've, uh, we've we figured out the exact opposite of that in education, and we've tried to uh, keep your hands still. And uh, you can see that it's pretty easy to even make bunny ear, bunny rabbit ears. So make whatever it is that you, uh, that you would like to make. And then we're going to spot check you as the morning goes along. Uh, so it's, it's great to be here with you. I'm going to uh, share with you this morning from uh, the standpoint of, of building capacity into your leadership. And some of the things that your education committee really wanted us to, to talk about and, and go through today was about communication, about conflict resolution, 
and about people skills, about building a team. We're going to do all that within the context of leadership. So let's start with, uh, with, with really defining what leadership is and, uh, and how we're working through it. My mentor, John Maxwell, defines leadership as, um, as, as, as influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And that's really what we're trying to do in almost, in, if not every relationship that we have. We're trying to influence someone, whether it's professionally, whether it's with our, our family, whether it's with our peers, whatever the relationship is, we're trying to be a good, positive influence on their life. And so that's what we define leadership as, influence, nothing more and nothing less. So today, how we're going to cover this is we're going to use a couple of sections uh, from the Diamond Life that, that, that I've written, and we're going to use second base issues there. That'll make a little bit of sense to you because the Diamond Life refers to baseball. We wrote the Diamond Life several years ago, and we've been able to share that with a number of groups in uh, and throughout Michigan, one being the, uh, the forensics division at the Michigan State Police. That was a leadership challenge. About 11% of the people who work in forensics for the uh, Michigan State Police uh, in that division are troopers. Everyone else is civilians. And most of those civilians are scientists. So when you put those groups together, one who came from a paramilitary uh, police order where they were, they were saluting and they were working uh, in, that, in that system, and then you had civilians, and then you had scientists on top of that who were working. We developed a, a, a program in which, a process in which they could grow themselves as leaders and grow their team and develop their people skills. And we're going to talk really about second base issues there this morning. The other thing we're going to cover today is a couple of things from, uh, from John's uh, five levels of leadership. How many of you have read a John Maxwell book? Great. How many of you have read more than one? Awesome. So John has written about 80 New York Times bestsellers, which means he's really written about 32. Cut, paste, cut, paste. And so he's, he, he, he's, a, he's a great author. He's a great friend, poured into my life. And not only did John begin to pour into me, but he also began to pull out. That's what a great mentor does. They pour in, but then at some point they become a coach and they begin to pull out of you because a coach wants you to perform at your highest level, right? So they, they pour into you their character, their values, their integrity, the things that make them the essence of who they are, but then they see the potential in you and they begin to become like a coach and they want to pull out of you. And so that's what John has done for a number of us across the years. And uh, it's a privilege to work with him and for him uh, for about three and a half years and travel the world presenting his leadership. So we're going to look at a couple of levels of the five levels of leadership to cover what your education committee really wanted us to do. So help me understand who you are. Uh, who came the farthest today? You did? How, where did you come from? Tell us your name and where did you come from? Okay, great. Great, excellent. How far away is that? Uh, we could walk 
about 35 miles. Anybody come further than 35 miles? I did, but anybody else? Okay, great, great. And how many times a year do you guys see each other and get, and get together in a group setting like this? Every month? Wow. So you guys know each other pretty well, this group? Like you folks over here know this, some of these folks over here? Okay, well, I'm not going to fix that for y'all today, but, but we're, we're, we're going we're, we're to try to add some value to you, and that would be my goal uh, as we do that. So let's think about in history, who were some of the greatest influencers throughout history? And these answers should be like popcorn. You should you shout them out. Napoleon Hill. Again? Mozart? Roosevelt. Which one? Franklin. Franklin. Just checking. All right, over here. Great leaders, great influencers. Say it again. Vince Lombardi. We all quote. We all quote Coach Lombardi. Who? Say it again. So why am I saying say it again? Say it again. Because I'm 63% deaf. I am really. I'm 60. You can see I wear hearing aids. I'm 63% deaf. Now why am I telling you that? Because when you say an answer, I'm going to come a little closer to you. So I can read your lips, and, and, and I'm not stalking you. I just want to get that clear right off the bat. So how did I become deaf? Ten years in East Africa, and uh, worked in the Bavuma Islands of Lake Victoria, led projects under uh, USAID, uh, the United Nations Foundation, to build the first schools and medical clinics in the 54 islands of Lake Victoria. And there's a disease, there's a disease in the water of Lake Victoria it comes from snail secretion. Sorry. <laughs> yes, you can say that. And so if it stays on your body longer than about 20 minutes, those things bore through the pores of your skin. They get to a bloody organ. They attach themselves, your heart, your liver, whatever, and they begin to gnaw on you. And so you start to feel a little run down. You know how it is when people are gnawing on you. So anyway, I, I began to feel run down. I went to the doctor, old British doctor. He did blood tests. He said, yeah, you got bail heart cell. Here's the med. And he gave 12 pills. And I thought, okay, how long do I, how, like, like the three times a day, what? And he said, no, 12 now. And then I'm going to give you 12 more to take today and then 12 more to take this evening. And we're going to do this for five days. So the medicine was worse than the disease and the medicines took my hearing. So, now the good news for you is Belhartsia, uh, I'm, I'm almost over it. It's a bad joke, sorry. And it's not nearly as airborne as it used to be. So I'm really happy to be here with you all today, and sucks to sit in the front. You should have got here earlier. <laughs> So give me, an, give me another great leader, great, great. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Great one. Dale Carnegie. I, right, I got one here. Who said Who? <laughs> Thomas Edison. Okay, I'm going to cut it off right there.
Okay, I'll take one more. One more. Who? Rosa Parks. Did, did most everybody hear what everybody else said? What did they all have in common? They were all famous. They were all positive. Now, think about who was one of the greatest influencers in this world that wasn't positive. Can't argue, can you? I mean, if leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, and you're going to say, what was one of the most effective leaders, influencers in our history, you cannot leave Hitler off the list. Now, here's the point. The ability to influence people and the skill set that that takes is, shows very little difference between influence and manipulation. The difference depends on what's inside of you. Now, let's be honest. In business, in my business sometimes, I'd really just like to shortcut and, and, and manipulate people and get it done and get it over with and move on. Because influencing people, building relationship with them, takes a lot more effort. Now, think about somebody in your life you personally, I talked about John and how he poured into me and pulled out. Think about somebody who, who you've admired as been an influencer in your life. Got that person? Again, like popcorn. Tell me the quality of that person that poured into your life that you admired most. Got one? Go ahead. Good listener. Good listener. Say it again. Positive. Positive. Sorry. Accountability. Accountability. Gave it or received it or made, made, made you accountable. Demanded yeah. Demanded it. I like that. Honest. Honest. Encouraging. Who? Encouraging. Encouraging. What else? So you guys in the back just thought you got here early and got off the hook. <laughs> so somebody back here, give me something. Somebody that you admired in your life. Integrity, I like it. Great communicator. Great communicator. Influential. Influential. Who? Say it again. Patient. Great. Successful. I heard. Patient. Patient. What did I hear? Successful. Successful. Who? You know, I hear more out of my left ear, so you could shoot a gun over here and I'm going to go. <laughs> Somebody over here. Say it again. Loving. Loving. All right. Supportive. Supportive. Trustworthy. Trustworthy. Empowering. Great. So here's what I would say. Did you hear most of what everybody said? Okay. How many of the things that people mentioned about great leaders, great influencers in their own personal life were skills? Somebody said good listener. You're a good listener. We'll call that a skill. What were the rest of them? It's about their character. Right? Isn't that amazing? So we had, what, 12, 15 responses there? 
One of them was a skill. The thing that you admire most in a leader that has impacted your life more than anyone else was not their skill set. It was the essence of their person, their character, their integrity, the values, which are defined as the non-negotiables of life. It is those things that allow you to build trust in people and for people to trust you. Those skill sets, not, not skill sets, those character traits. So let's, let's dive into the deep end of the pool here and see if we can cover not all five, but at least the first two, the first two levels of John's five levels of leadership. So here are some core beliefs. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. We are all influencers and leaders. So who's the shyest person in the room? <laughs> me, me. Okay. You're not it. Stop. <laughs> okay, so who would be? Who would say I'm? I'm. I'm pretty introverted. I'm pretty shy. Me. Okay. Hi there. <laughs> All right. So here's what sociologists say, and this is for the absolute onslaught of social media. Sociologists will estimate based on personal relationships, right? Not social media. It's like, you know, somebody says, I have 1,500 friends on Facebook. <laughs> you do not. <laughs> Stop. Come on, if you have this many friends, you're a rich person. So, before the onslaught of social media, sociologists conducted a study, because we don't really define friends as contacts on social media. We define it through relationships. And sociologists have determined that the shyest person among us will directly influence through their relationships, personal, more than 20,000 people during their lifetime. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And the shyest person among you, thank you, will influence more than 20,000 people directly based on their ability to build relationships. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of influence. That's the shyest person. What about some of the rest of you? Hmm? A lot more, right? So if leadership is influence, then we're all, we're all influencers, According to sociologists, we're all influencers because we're building relationship. Thereby, we're all what? Leaders. We're all leaders, every one of us. Leadership ability determines your level of effectiveness. I'm going to ask you this a little later in the presentation, and I wanna, but I want to just take the temperature of the room for just a moment. Leadership ability determines your level of effectiveness. How many of you would say... Again, my degree is in philosophy, so it doesn't have to be absolutely true for it to have value. <laughs> Are you with me? So I, don't, I do not 100% agree with that. That's okay. It doesn't mean it doesn't have some value. So is it absolutely true, 100%, never not true? Is it mostly true? Is it mostly not true? Or is it never true? Leadership ability determines your level of effectiveness. How many of you would say that's mostly true or absolutely true? 
Leadership ability determines your level of effectiveness. Okay? I'm going to tell you that I absolutely believe that it's true. Your ability, what are we talking, how are we defining leadership? As influence. So your leadership ability, your ability to influence then, largely determines your level of effectiveness. Leadership flows out of our essence. That's in the baseball, in the diamond life, that's, that's first base. That's your, we talked about it. That's your character, your integrity. That's your core values. That's your identity. That's the things that make you who you are. Here's the challenge we have as leaders. We reproduce who we are, not just what we know. God help my kids. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the challenge. We reproduce who we are, not what we know. I know a lot more than I'm living. Okay, I'm the only one in the room like that. So that's the challenge we face is that it flows out of our essence, who we are, and we reproduce who we are, not just what we know. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Now, John will tell you that is absolutely true. And if you've ever worked for a bad boss, you know it's true. And if you've worked for a good boss, you know it's true. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Your leadership will be a major component of your legacy the things that you'll leave behind, the things that are bigger than you are that will last longer than you do, your influence. So, so here are some insights. Let me go back to the five levels. Physician, permission, production, people development, and the pinnacle. This is what we're talking about here. And this is, uh, this is really key for us as we move forward in the morning. You can move up a level, but you never fully leave a previous level behind. So position, permission, you got it? You never leave that level. You're not on the same level with every person. Let me give you an example. A couple of you in this room, I know. We've met. We've shook hands. We've been in meetings together. I know you. You've heard me speak before, maybe at Rotary or something like that. And you go, hey, I know, Phil. I'm, 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 I'm going to go today. Okay? What level is that? It's not position, Right? They gave me what? Permission. Hey, I've heard Phil speak. He's not too terribly boring the entire time. So I'm going to go and I'm going to give it a shot. So then what I'm trying to determine right now is what level am I on with the, with the most of you who I don't know? That's why we do the introduction. That's, you try to earn a little credibility so that somebody will say, oh, okay, well, he worked with John Maxwell. I'm going to see if I give him a little, sh I'm going to give him, eh, I got to be here anyway. <laughs> so you got to move, you got to try to figure out where you're at with people. Because you're not on the same level with everyone. Some people, you're, they're, they're, you're here, you get credit, you're here. You're going to hope it's not too boring and that, you know, it's 11 o'clock and you think it's like the dentist. I can take anything for two hours. And, and you're going to get through it and it's going to go on and, and, and yeah, I'm not going to get you off position. I'm going to do my best, but I probably won't get everyone off position. I'm going to try to get you to give me some permission to say, okay, I'm going to listen to him. He might add some value to what I'm trying to do at my office and, and in my career. And, and then maybe, you know, if we, we get further into the morning, you know, then we're going to be able to get to, like, production and, and, and people development. But the goal we all want to get to is, is, is the pinnacle of leadership, and that key word there is respect, where people know you, 
They believe in you, they trust you, and they follow you. That's where we all want to get in our leadership. So in these five levels, you're not on the same level with everybody else, and you got to kind of determine where are you at. Is this guy giving me permission? Or is he doing what I'm saying because I'm, the, I'm his direct report? Or are they doing, do they trust me enough to give me permission? Or maybe they look back at my track record and they say, you know, we've, we've had a great track record in this office, and I've been able to do this for my, for my business and my agency, and so he's, this person has produced. I want to get some of that in me. My dad would say, I want to get my pail under his well. I want to have some of that success in my life. And then we look at the, the fourth level of people development. They trust me. They believe in me. They saw potential in me, and they invested in me. That's a whole other level of leadership and influence with your people. So let's keep going. The higher you go with a person, the fact of the matter is it's easier to lead. Going up is slow. Coming down can happen quickly. And there's no, not climbing not climbing up the, 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 the levels of influence limits everyone. Everyone on your team, and it limits every, your entire organization. And the productivity, effectiveness, and success that everybody can have, including your office. So our objective is to build some capacity into your leadership. Let's do a spot check. Does anybody have anything made with your pipe cleaners yet? What do you got here? Awesome. I love that. Anybody hear that? He's got a bus, and he's putting all his, the tools he learns from today in his bus. So I love that. You needed a bigger bus, but that's okay. We only gave you a few. What do you got? She's got a flower because spring has sprung in Michigan. Right. Not yet. What do you got, sir? You got a heart? And why do you have a heart? Great. We're going to talk about that. Excellent. Give me one more over here. Wow. That's great. So here's what happened across the room. Some of you went, oh, man. <laughs> it's okay. There's no judging here. There's no judging here. All right. So let's start with position. Um, and if it would be helpful to you, you jot down some notes. If something you are right now, thank you for being quiet. And, um, but positional leaders often devalue their people. How many of us have been in a position in our careers, maybe early on, where we worked in a situation where we did not feel value, in fact, we felt devalued? Anybody like that? Sure. Positional leaders love the politics. Love the politics. Positional leaders play rights over responsibilities. And here's what happens to positional leaders. They get lonely because they stay right there. And you can find uh, everybody, every business that we work with and, and everyone that I really know about experiences retention issues, challenges, ha hanging on to the right people, hanging on to the best people the whole bit. So that's, that's, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is position, positional leaders get stuck, and they stay there. They're there. They're entrenched there. And in those situations, you will find an abnormally high amount of turnover because people quit people before they quit places. Positional leaders get branded, and they're stranded, and that's where they stay.
So, how to move from level one, from position, to level two, to permission. So, what do you think about the quote in the blue box? Can you read that over here? So it says, a position is not a worthy destination for anyone's life. My goal in life is I want to get to this spot, this position, this title. That's what we're talking about. Is that a worthy pursuit? Could be, right? Depends on what you're going to do with it. So how to move from level one to level two. Change your mind. Change your mind. Titles are not enough. No matter what the title might be, it's not going to satisfy. One of the greatest pieces of counsel, I don't really like the word advice too much, but one of the greatest pieces of counsel I ever got was from a gentleman who was very successful, one of my financial mentors, and he said to me, Phil, don't ever take a job because of money. Don't ever take the job just because of money. There's got to be something else to it. In other words, what the something else could be is, what is the money going to give you? If you take the position, you take the title, you take the responsibility, what is, that, what is all of that going to be able to allow you to do with that one handful of life that you have? So I, I pushed back a little bit on him on the money side, and this is what he said to me. He said, Phil, what you're going to understand about money as you get a little older, and I was, I was pretty young at the time, he said, money gives you options that you otherwise never have. So if the title comes with some money <laughs> attached to it, the position, the areas of responsibility, and you're compensated well, I'm not saying that that's not an upworthy pursuit. What he said to me was, money gives you options you otherwise never have. And one of the options that money gives you is the opportunity to be generous. So somebody comes, one of the charity comes before us and and maybe it's the Humane Society or, or maybe it's a, a, a children's uh, work. And, and who knows what it is. It could be a, a lot of great things. We've got 43,000 different, different charities in Michigan alone. Who knows what it could be. It could be viable. And I go, wow, I'd really like to give them some money. And I go, I'd really like to give them $500 and I only have five to give Money gives you the opportunity to be generous that you otherwise wouldn't have. And that's what, a position is not a worthy destination for anyone's life if it's just the position. But when you think about what you can do in your leadership and in your influence from that position, it adds value. So a leader does not have to be perfect or know all the answers. And then to move from level one to level two, you want to follow the law of the process. This is in John's uh, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Anybody read that book? I try to read it every year. I've read it every year for a lot of years. But it, 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 the great thing about John's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership is you don't have to have law number four to get to law number five. In other words, as many of those laws as you have in your life, in your leadership, in your influence, the better off you're going to be. But you don't have to have four to get to five. They're not, they're not dependent upon each other. And one of the laws he has is the law of the process, in that leaders develop daily, not in a day. What does that mean? 
What does that mean? Leaders develop daily, not in a day. I mean, it looks like a great bumper sticker, right? But what does it mean? How are you growing as yourself as a leader, as an influencer? What are you putting in? What are, what are you investing in yourself? Because that's what this is. It's not an investment in anyone else. It's an investment in you because you can't give away what you don't have because we reproduce who we are, not what we know, right? So it's, it's about growing yourself as an influencer, as a leader. You do that. You got to read. Leaders are readers. And, and if you're not a great reader, then get, get the, get the uh, books on CD or on, uh, download them on your podcast. Put in your mind almost every day some positive thought about your leadership and how you're growing as leaders grow daily, not in a day. So a little bit of leadership irony here. For those of you on this side of the room, I would say that um, here's the boss at the desk and here's the employee standing in front. And the employee says, well, I would have exhibited more leadership qualities if someone had told me to do so. Moving toward our educational goals today and exposure, here's a crazy idea. What if, and I know this sounds a little kooky, we communicated with our employees? What a novel, novel, novel idea. So we're going from level one to level two, and that's permission. People give you an opportunity to prove yourself and influence them. So hopefully by the time we're 40, 35 minutes into this, I got a couple of you off level one with me. He's the speaker. I got to listen. And maybe we're moving you toward permission. Okay, I'm going to pay attention, see if he adds any value to me as a leader. And people give you the opportunity to prove yourself and influence them. Okay, let's stop right there. I need a couple more uh, pipe cleaners. So we're talking about permission. People believe in you. Now, I don't, I, and most of you guys have teams here. Is that right? Am I, am I thinking this correctly? you got teams. You're a part of a team. You have teams that are working with you and for you. And, and, and you got, you got, you're surrounded by people at 100 and, uh, 360 degrees around that you're having to influence and work with. So you got to win them in the fact of permission. Now, let me just tell you folks who are in the room that go, that are the hard chargers, type A personalities. If you follow the disc, you're the DI in the disc personality profile. You're the dominant. You're going to make, you're going to get out there and you're going to make things happen. Let me just tell you right now, go get a little coffee. You're not going to enjoy this level. You're really not going to enjoy this level. And the first thing you're going to realize about it is that this level of influence is soft. And I'm going to cover what's wrong with this level, but I'm also going to cover what's right with this level. So uh, if, 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 if you're staying with me and you're not getting coffee, um, then, then I, I think we're going to try to do our best here at this level to add some value to you. So people move away from mere compliance and they start to follow you because they want to. This is a game changer, people. This is a game changer. You did enough to get them from level one to level two where they're going to give you a chance. And if you prove yourself on that chance, guess what? They're going to give you another chance and a bigger chance. This is a game changer. It is a step toward, and we do, we do this in another workshop, 
but it is a step towards creating that work culture that we all dream about. It's a game changer. Receiving permission is a culture changer and a product, a production catalyst. So remember in level one, the position leaders, he's worried about, that person is worried about control, right? But this, this, this team member has given you permission and you've, you've earned that trust. You've gotten that chance to earn more of their trust. And now you're going to make good on it and it's a changer. Leading via permission, that is through relationship, is the foundation of influencing people. Permission increases the energy, level, communications, and the self-esteem of the team. Why? There's one word I'm looking for here. Read, read this with me. Permission increases the energy level, communications, and the self-esteem of the team. Why? Because it creates what? Trust. And you can't function without it. No relationship that you have in your life can function well without trust. And if you have a relationship in your life that is not, doesn't have trust, then you know what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about. It is a miserable place. You've got to have trust. Now, there are different levels of trust. Just like they're giving you permission to influence them, you're giving permission, you're giving that trust back, right? Leading via permission creates trust. I remind myself, and, and, and here's the downside of position two. This is where you hard chargers, dominant personalities are going to, I might win you back right here. So my mother, I'm, I'm from L.A. originally. I just seen if you were listening. That means lower Alabama. And my mother raised a very polite son. It's my brother Jerry. <laughs> but I am fairly polite. And, and I have to remind my folks around me, early on when we were started working together, that my politeness is not a weakness. Because sometimes when, and this is the soft side of leadership, right? This is where our high dominant type A personalities are going to say, and they, you make a great point. Because, look at number three, permission leaders can be gamed. I have to remind my people every once in a while that my politeness is not a weakness. Now, I don't have to do that much anymore because we've been together for a few years and they know. And that's the, now the team really starts to, to reach that level of effectiveness. Task-oriented achievers, leaders, that's you high D folks, fail to see the value of leading through permission. And, and you have a point, but permission leadership is hard for people who are absolutely unlikable. There I said it. It's the truth. I have a... An acquaintance. I was going to say friend, but I don't really like him, so I couldn't say that, even on Facebook. And they do everything. I want you to help me figure this out, right? Help me figure this out. I have a friend who does all the things that a leader should do to build the relationships they should build. So if you go to, 
lunch with this person, you're going to get a handwritten thank you note that says, hey, Phil, enjoyed being with you at lunch. That's what a great leader does, right? They reach back out. They initiate that contact. With, uh, with his staff, every birthday, and they, he never misses a birthday, he uh, brings them a card, and inside that card is a lottery ticket. That's pretty good, isn't it? Somebody's writing that down. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? They, this guy does the right things. You know what his problem is? He is absolutely unlikable. <laughs> Nobody likes him. And I, I, I'm, I, it's, it's sometimes kind of sad to me in some way because he's doing the things we always walk slowly through the room. Practice the 101% principle. You know what that is. Find the 1% you have in common with somebody and give it 100% of your attention in order to build a relationship with that person. Walk slowly through the room. How are you doing today, sir? Great. Good to see you. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for not leaving early. Um, so you're, 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 you're walking. You're, you are, 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 why did you sit in the front row? Because all the seats were gone? Yeah, sorry. sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> That is a great tie, by the way. Well, thank you. you know, people always tell me nobody remembers the suit, but they always remember the tie. Is that, is it, is it, would you think that's true? Absolutely. Absolutely true. I like that, philosophically speaking. So <laughs> when you're walking through the room, you're walking slow. You're, you're greeting people. You're ha just having a word with them, and maybe people on your team, hey, how was uh, little Johnny's soccer game? And Now, here's where the type A big dominant leaders are going, oh about little Johnny's soccer game. I want to know, did you get the project done? This is where there's got to be a little balance here. A little balance. So permission leadership gets you the whole person. They get invested. They get invested in you. You get invested in them. And you become, you go to a different level of trust. You go to the different level, I think, of effectiveness. There is a downside to it because sometimes permission leaders, level two leaders, look like they can be gamed. They're too, they appear to be too polite and too nice. So what's the answer to that? Glad you asked. Leading an organization is as much about the soul as it is about the system. And that's a little leeway in if we were going to stay this afternoon and talk about work culture and what you want to cry, try your best to create. So here's, the, here's moving from level two to level three, from permission, from position to permission, and now on, and John's uh, levels would be production. The first level, the first person you lead is who? Absolutely. First person you lead is yourself. Relationships alone, listen to me, type D, personality A people, Relationships are not alone. They are not enough by themselves. I don't care if little Johnny's soccer was needed this year. That doesn't mean there's going to be more effectiveness. It's not enough. And for you type A leaders and high dominant disc personality profiles, you should say at least give me an amen there. Because it's not enough. You're exactly right. 
It's not enough. So what's the rule? You got to practice the golden rule. What's the golden rule? Well, it must be pretty important because everybody has it. Simply say, we learned this. We stood up and did the, the, the Pledge of Allegiance this morning. We learned it when we were doing the Pledge of Allegiance years ago when we were in children in elementary school. Do unto others as follow the golden rule. Okay? Still a little too soft, right? Still, here's what you got to do. And if you don't walk out of here with anything else, I give you this. Find the balance between care and candor. Find the balance between care and candor. And don't wait for an annual review of responsibilities. That's a great, that's a great diving board to, to be a catalyst for people to get better and address their shortcomings and help them and realize what their strengths are and all that. But don't wait for a year. Don't wait nine months. Find the balance between care and candor. Find the balance between care and candor. We're going to talk about conflict resolution in a minute. Let me just go ahead and jump ahead for just a half a second and say this. I hate conflict resolution. I hate it. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. But it does not mean, anybody with me like that? I don't like it. Doesn't mean you can't be good at it. And if you're going to lead, if you're going to influence, if you're going to grow yourself, and you're going to expand your territory, and you're going to bring teams in, and you're going to work with other people, you're going to have to find that ability to settle conflict. And you do that by finding the, the balance between care and candor. And so you follow the law of buy-in, and that is people buy into the leader before they buy into the vision. When you want people to come alongside of you on a project, when you want people to come alongside of you in an in, uh, in, in uh, opportunity, people are going to buy into you before they buy into the vision. They're going to buy into you, and they're going to buy into the business opportunity because of you because of the essence of who you are. How are we doing? Good, good, good. I like it. So what's the challenge here? Okay, let's unpack this for just a minute, because we have about five minutes, and we're going to take a break. Okay? Let me get back to it. So here's what I want you to do. For the, we're going to do this for five minutes, and then if you want to, we're going to take a break. And then, we'll come, then we're going to come back, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a little group here. You all can turn around. Ever, you know how to do this. Figure this out. I'm not going to do yellow pipe cleaners, find yellow. No, we're not going to do that. It's way too confusing. Turn around and find. I want you to discuss this in blue, in uh, red. Uh, yeah, I'm colorblind. Uh, find the balance between care and candor. What are the challenges associated with that? in your context, in your context. If you're a team leader or if you're, if, you're, if you're out there on your own, all those things. Turn around, find a group of people, talk about that for about five minutes, and we're gonna I'll tell you when we're going to take a break, about 10, and we'll get you back in about 10 after. Okay, everybody, come on in. We're going to uh, we're gonna report out a little bit about care and candor. Great, thanks for coming back.
I'm trying to find the balance between care and candor as I get you back in the room and back to your seats and thanks for being here. So here's what we'd like to do as we begin our second hour together is just for a moment, just for a couple of minutes, thanks everybody for, for being here, thanks for coming back in, is a couple of you that were in groups, could you stand and just report out for us what your discussion was regarding finding the balance between care and candor, okay? That how do you do it, right? Because you can come out of here with some good bumper stickers. Nobody cares how much you know until you know how much you care, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, how do you do that, right? How do you do that? What's the practical application of the bumper sticker? You know, uh, so let's see if we can unpack that. So now, it, when we talked about leadership skills, we had a listening. Uh, somebody said they were a good listener. That's what they respected in, their, in the leader that, that, that had poured into their life. Every leadership skill is learned. So what does that tell you? Every leadership is learned. What does that tell you? You can learn to be a good leader. Every leadership is learned. Conflict resolution is a skill set, and you can learn that. Communication is a skill set. You can learn that. You, are you following with me? Okay? That's all true except for one, and that's intuition. It's hard. It's hard to give that away. We can talk, and we, you and I could sit here and add value to each other about communication skills, about conflict resolution skills, about caring skills. But for you to try to give me that intuition, that ability to read the room and read the person and discern what level am I on with that person or what level is that person on with me, that's tough. If you played baseball or softball and they hit a fly ball into the outfield, there are people who play this game that they know immediately how deep that ball's going. And they run to that spot on the field. I didn't have that gift. Somebody hit the ball in the outfield, and I'd go, <laughs> okay. I'd have to wait and figure it out. I I didn't have that gift of judging the depth. I couldn't do it. So I can't give you that. And, and you have it, but there are people who have it to unbelievable levels. They... They can read the room, man, I'm telling you. They can read the person. And those who are that gifted in that, sometimes what's the trouble spot for people who are very intuitive? They rely on that gift a little too much. So let me see if I can unpack that. How do you find the balance between care and candor and have that? So we established what? you got to have the relationship first, right? That's number one. So now, how do you do that? You utilize the iMessage. How many of you know this? The iMessage. You've been exposed to this. Okay, great. So utilize the iMessage at home or office, but especially during the holidays. Here's why. This is the iMessage. Now, if you're going to take a screenshot, we should probably line up and everybody come through and do this. Because this is going to, if you can put this into practice, it's going to, uh, it's going to add, it's going to reduce, 
the potential for conflict at work and at home very much. So I travel a lot, and sometimes I might forget to tell, sorry, I might forget to communicate that I'm going to be late. So I can walk into my home, and Christy can say, can I be candid with you? No, she doesn't say that. I'm asking if I can be candid with you. Please. She will say, she could react to me because it's, it's, I'm late and I've been out and doing my work and business and got caught up at dinner and drinks afterwards and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't communicate and say, well, I said, I'm going to be home at 8 and now it's 11. And I walk in and her reaction could be, where the hell have you been? So the, mess, the, 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 the formula is, this is what I feel. When I didn't call Christy, she felt upset because she was worried. She, thought I was, in an, she was all, thought I was in a wreck, right? So she's upset. So she, she says what she feels. I'm upset and I'm worried. When, and you talk about what caused the event, I don't receive a call. I prefer, this is what I would like to happen, I would like to receive a call so that I know everything's okay. Please call me whenever this happens, right? That's hard work. But relationship building is hard work. The idea behind this is there's something missing in this formula. Can anybody tell me what it is? It's the pronoun you. When Christy says, where the hell you been? Tone, pronoun, facial expressions, all this is communicating to me that I'm wrong. Nobody likes to be wrong. That's not an enjoyable experience. And when you point it out to someone, don't expect them to go, oh, thanks for catching me in the lie. <laughs> I'm going to be such a better person because it, that doesn't happen either. So I know this has made it seem like, again, sitcom world or you know, way out there in the planet somewhere. But I'm telling you, if you can put this into practice, you will be amazed at the reactions you get from any other. Okay, so does that help a little bit about finding the context here is we're finding the balance between care and candor. You've established the relationship. Now you've got to have a candid conversation with someone. And it could be anyone in your life professionally. It could be, a you know, a buyer or seller or whoever, or team member, whatever it could be. It, it also works at home. That's why I said, use this during the holidays. <laughs> or just get on a plane and go to the Bahamas for the entire <laughs> holiday season, and you'll be better off. So, all right, let me, I, I just wanted to catch up to that. Now, I got to kind of speed ahead here. I don't have much more time with you, and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm scratching where you're itching here. 
So we talked about position and permission. We're, we're talking about the context of building capacity in your leadership with communication, conflict resolution skills, and we're, we kind of camped on con, uh, communication here, building relationships, people skills. Remember, on the five levels, although we're not doing all five levels this morning, you're not on the same level with every person. Okay? You're not on the same level with every person. And that's where that intu intuition comes into, hey, well, you can read the room, read the person. Where am I at? Why are they resisting me? Well, maybe they're on level one with you. And you've got to help them move to level two. Here's the hard thing for leaders to learn. Very difficult for all of us to learn. You've got to help people where they're at, not where you wish they were. And that is a serious pain in the ass. But it's true. You've got to help people where they're at, not where you wish they were. So, moving ahead. So I, I'm not going to, you're going to get this deck, but I'm, I'm not going to camp here. There's five critical questions, how to win with people, and we're going to kind of unpack this. Uh, so don't let me, just, just don't hold that against me for us not being here. So what I'm going to say is the first question is readiness. Are we prepared for relationships that we need to move our businesses forward, move our lives forward? Are we ready for relationship? And I'm going to give you uh, five principles here. And it's a question associated. Now, again, you're going to get this deck, so you're going to be able to go through it in your own time. So let me just unpack this for just about 10 minutes, five minutes maybe, and then we're going to move, then we're going to move forward. So the context is, again, are we, how to win with people by building relationships. So we're talking people skills here, right? Okay. So are we ready for relationship? And we're going to do the lens principle. Who we are determines how we see others. Who we, how we see ourselves determines how we see others. Okay? Now, I'm not going to go all Spock on you here. Okay, not the Star Trek Spock, but like Benjamin Spock. But he makes a great point here. And the question that I must ask myself is, how do I perceive others? How do I perceive others? Now, that's a question for you. That's not a question for us. That's a question for you. How do you perceive others? And probably a lot of how you perceive yourself is how you perceive others. Now, that can be a good thing, and it can be a dangerous thing. If you have decided in your life, I'm going to be an honest person that has integrity, that's the kind of person I'm going to be. So if you get tempted to steal, you go, wait a minute. That's not who I am. So you've already made the decision to be an honest person that's full of integrity. Correct? And so then the opportunity to steal comes along, you go, well, that's not even really a temptation because I've already decided that I'm not going to be this type of person. So you made the decision when the opportunity to do what was wrong came along, you didn't have to remake the decision. Oh, I'm going to be an honest person. Because if you get into that, you're going to make it a bad decision eventually because you're, gonna, you're having to remake that same decision over and over. I'm going to be an honest person. I'm going to be an honest person. I'm gonna... No, you make the decision once back here. Now you manage that decision. So you decided you're going to be an honest person full of integrity, and here's the problem with that. You're going to expect everybody else in your life to be the same way. I just scratched where some of you are itching. Right there. The problem, the challenge we have as leaders 
is when we see others the way we see ourselves. And when you made the decision to be an honest person, full of integrity, and you have to deal with people who have not made that same decision, it is extremely frustrating. And it ought to be. I'm not telling you to say, well, okay, wait. Now my pen is ready. I'm ready for Dr. Phil. <laughs> you wait for me to use that, weren't you? So you know, I'm waiting for him to give me this answer. I don't have one. I'm just telling you it's frustrating. Because we see people the way we see ourselves. And when we see ourselves and make this decision to be this type of person that is good, solid, and other people don't rise to that level of expectation, man, it's frustrating. One of the saddest things that we do in any relationship is when we take that level of expectation that we have for someone and we move it down. It's a very difficult thing to do. Now, what happens when you do that is you're not nearly as disappointed as you used to be. You're not nearly as frustrated, but it's still sad. So the lens principle so, for me, I'm going to encourage you to do this. When you get this deck, spend a little time. And I know you're busy, but invest in yourself. Write a one-paragraph statement describing human nature and people in general. What do you think about people in general? What do you think? It'll help you frame this very, very quickly for you. Um, think about the qualities you would like to cultivate in your own life. So here's one of the great mistakes I've made in my leadership journey. You ready? Don't you hate it when you go to a workshop and everybody just tells you about the successes? You know, I'm going to tell you my failures too. I wish, I'm looking at the bottom here, it says think about the quality, for those of you over here, think about the qualities you would like to cultivate and list them. Then find someone who has that quality you desire and invest time with that person. Okay. I wish that I had gotten different mentors into my life sooner. Instead, we look at mentoring, if we look at it at all, we look at it the same way we do our mechanic. Who we are determines how we see others. Let me give you the next one, the mirror principle. The first person we must examine is ourselves. So the question I must ask myself is, how have, I, have I examined myself and taken responsibility? I'm going to give you a, a hint on a book. It's a book called Intrapersonal Intelligence by Thomas Armstrong. It's Seven Kinds of Smart. Man, it's a great book. If you're a reader or a listener to books on your drive-in, it's a great opportunity. So, the mirror principle, the first person we must examine is ourselves. So, Looking at the box on the right here in the middle, it says, have you ever known anyone who is their own worst enemy? Hard, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And, and so, you know, they just can't seem to get past themselves. Jack Parr, the pre, uh, John the Baptist of Johnny Carson said, life seems like one long obstacle race, and I was my biggest obstacle. So we got to be able to look at ourselves, Right? Next, next principle, the pain principle. Hurting people hurt people and are easily hurt by them. Would you 
absolutely agree with this. Mostly true, mostly not true, not true ever. What would you say? Absolutely true. Do I hurt people? Now, the question I must ask myself is, do I hurt people, and am I too easily hurt by them? Look, if you're going to be a leader and an influencer in this business world today or just in this world anywhere, you need three qualifications. You should have the mind of a scholar, so nobody should know more about your business than you know. Two, you should have the heart of a shepherd because you really do have to care about people. Right? And the third thing, you better have the hide of a rhinoceros. I got one out of three. So, it's the truth. Some of y'all are going, well, which one did you get? <laughs> so, some, you know, hurting people hurt people, and they are easily hurt by them. So, let me just give you a little thing in, in working with folks in your life and in your team here, okay? If the reaction outweighs the issue, there's something else going on. If the reaction to the situation outweighs the issue, just, just book it. There's something else going on in that person's life. And you may not have the responsibility nor the inclination to pull the, the layers off that onion to find out what it is, but just understand, to get where you need to do in this, in this business deal, you're going to probably have to give that some time and some space, and, and I'm not, you understand what I'm saying? at least you're going to come to some understanding like, whoa, time out here. That was way overboard. That was over the top. So there's probably something else going on. Pain principle. Hammer principle. Never use a hammer to swat a fly off someone's head. <laughs> That'll be one of the best leadership principles I've ever learned. So the question I must ask myself is, would others say I react strongly to small things in a relationship? Now I'm going to tell you a little behind the curtain. This statement in John's five levels of leadership has been debated probably more than any other, probably one or two more, but it is hotly debated. And here's why. Small things mean a lot. Right? Small things mean a lot. And so, so when I say, the question I must ask is, would I say I react to strong, strongly, too strongly to small things in a, in a relationship? Sometimes small things in a relationship are really important. And that's what was so debated in this, as this material was being developed. And so I don't like the term small things. Let me give you another one. Let me give you something else to think about here. Would people say that I react too strongly to inconsequential things in a relationship. Not just small, not small, you know, like small, the difference for me is um, did, did you communicate to me when you said you would? And then if they didn't, to me that's not, you know, everybody gets busy, I understand that. But when you said you'd do something and you don't do it, That's a little tough to get past when it happens again and again and again. Am, are you with me? So I, I, 
things, now, if, if, you know, you didn't hold the door open for me or you didn't bring coffee when you went and got coffee for somebody else, but you didn't bring it for me, now, understand the difference. So, a hammer principle. Never use a hammer, and this is where we get to care and candor. How do we handle that? And I think we talked about that with the, the elevator principle. Can we lift people up or take people down in our relationship? And the question I must ask myself is, do others say that I lift them up and take them down? Do I, I lift them up or do I take them down? So, I move ahead here. We did second base on the communication piece. Let's see if this is mostly is true, mostly true, false, or mostly false. For those of you over here, I'll read it for you. It says, no matter what job you have in life, your success will be determined by 5% of your academic credentials, 15% of your professional experience, and 80% of your communication skills. I heard absolutely. Would most everybody agree with that? Okay. How do we communicate today? Poorly. I love email for facts. Phil, we have a meeting at the, at the office at 9 a.m. Here's the address. If you want to be a few minutes early, great. Love that email. Email after that, and I know we all use it for every purpose, Man, it's tough to read intent and emotion into an email. So, it, it just, just again, be careful. We're not going to camp here. Um, fact, it's great for facts. Guy says to me the other day, Phil, I think we had a miscommunication problem. Now, I said, no, we would have had to have communication before we could have had miscommunication. <laughs> Just saying. For you, for you guys over here, I'm sorry. This is a text. This is absolutely a true text. Guy writes his friend, hey, can I use your car? Guy responds, yeah, sure, just bring it back in an hour. Guy says, all right. Hey, it's been two days. Where's my car? Well, I went by your house, and I didn't see your car, so I didn't think you were home. you got to have communication before you can have miscommunication, as poorly as it might be. So let's talk for a few minutes here uh, about conflict resolution. Harvard Business Review says unresolved conflict in the workplace is a leading cause of turnover. I take you back to the statement we made earlier this morning when we said people quit people before they quit places. One of the number one reasons people quit people and then quit a place is because of unresolved conflict in the workplace. Again, I don't like conflict, but it doesn't mean I'm not good at it. And you can learn the skill just as why. If you like conflict, you really need therapy. <laughs> you need a shot or something. I'm, I don't know what, but you need something. So uh, it, it's a skill. You can learn it. And it's really not an option. We put this in, and I'm, I'm going to unpack this for about two minutes here. Ignoring it is not an option for a leader. Because the tendency we see in our, in our workshops is that people tend to more ignore it than deal with it.
because they don't have the skills to do it. So when we get the skills to do it, then they're, you know, it's not like they're t running around trying to find an opportunity to employ those new skills they just learned, but they don't ignore it as often once they have the skills to learn how to handle it. Again, balancing care and candor and how to put that into, into effect. So see if, again, philosophically, mostly true, true, false, mostly false. 10% of the conflicts are due to a difference in opinion. 90% are due to the wrong tone of voice. True? True? Yeah, I don't know if the percentages are exactly right, but I think the principle's there. So conflict resolution, here's three quick steps. So this is from the perspective that, that you hurt me. That you, that you hurt me. Easily, remember, go back to the, hurting, the, the, the principle, hurting people hurt people and are easily hurt by them. I gave you a compliment about your tie earlier this morning, but you didn't give me one about mine. <laughs> Just saying. So, talk to the person who offended you and give the I message. I would prefer... Thank you very much. <laughs> Took me a while to fish, but I caught something. So talk to the person who offended you and use that iMessage formula. See if you get the reaction that you need, not necessarily the one you want. You might want to gut the person, but that's not what you're going to get you down the road in your business. Talk to the person who offended you with a peer, a person that's mutually respected by both of you. Then if that doesn't work, talk to the person who offended you with someone who has authority to solve it. Now with my staff, we barely ever have get to number three because they know they're not going to like my decision. I made enough decisions that they didn't like them, and so they want to solve the conflict before it ever gets in my office. That's okay. I just don't want to have to deal with it. And if they can solve it before it gets to me, it's better anyway. So that's from, the, that's, that's from the, that's from, I didn't get the compliment on my tie. He hurt me, right? Okay, here we go. This is from the uh-oh perspective and that I hurt you. Guess what? There's the same three steps. You talk to the person you injured. You talk to the person you injured with a peer and a, mutual, a person that's mutually respected by both of you. If you can't resolve it, you talk to the person you injured with the person who has authority. Now, you say, how come you, if you, I go to a person and I say, I'm really sorry, I apologize, it was not my intention, but I did it, and I'm owning it, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make this right. So what's the stumbling block that stops the relationship from moving forward? It's when the person you're dealing with that you hurt lies. And what's the lie they say? Oh, it's okay. Liar. It's not okay. Because you're still mad at me and you're still hurt. And it's okay. Be mad at me and be hurt. But own it. Say it. Again, you, get, you can't solve every conflict by yourself. It takes a willing person to help you do that. Here's the problem we have in, uh, with conflict resolution. In our society, we have a high expectation that we're going to handle it well, but nobody's really ever taught us how to do it. So, handle it 
here's some handles for handling conflict. Handle it privately whenever possible. Handle it sooner rather than later. Now let me just give you a caveat there, and that is this. I don't want to deal with every perceived slight. Again, hurting people hurt people and are easily hurt by them, right? I don't want to have to deal in my office setting with every perceived slight. Oh, they brought, they, they brought, they, they are in the form of a question whenever possible. I'm telling you, you can write this one down. I believe in it. So, I got a conflict, I got a situation, I got to deal with it. What's the first, what am I leading with? Hey, could you help me understand whatever? The question is, can you help me understand? Not, could you help me understand why you made such a boneheaded decision <laughs> that's going to cost this company? No, that's not the question. The question is, can you help me understand? Oh, yeah, I can, I, I, I can do that. You'll get a much better reaction say, than saying, what the hell are you thinking? Because that's what we want to ask, but that's not what we ask. So the question is, help me understand. It's very non-threatening, and you're going to get a better, much better explanation as to what the reasoning and logic or the lack thereof was there. Huh. So if you have to call a meeting to deal with conflict, do not apologize for calling the meeting to deal with conflict. Okay? If you have to call the meeting, call the meeting. And be set to resolve the conflict and move to a resolution. Set the expectations for behavior for people that are involved and move forward. But don't apologize for calling the meeting. Well, I'm really sorry I had to call all of you in here today. Well, you might be sorry, but don't tell them that. They're the ones, they're the reason you're having to call the meeting. You don't apologize to them for having created the situation that you're now forced to deal with. They should be apologizing to you because we could spend our time doing much more profitable things than dealing with, she didn't bring me coffee. Okay? So moving ahead. Utilize the sandwich option whenever, all, uh, whenever available. Compliment, critique, and then compliment. Okay? Be polite but firm. Be the velvet-covered brick. Don't swat them in the head with a, uh, with a, with a brick. So now just a couple of minutes on team building. Every leader struggles to build a team. So every leader, for those of you over there, every leader struggles to build a team. This is Jesus and the loaves and fishes. I'm not sure the number, but the loaves and the fishes. And he's got the fish and he's got the bread. And somebody in the crowd says, I can't eat that. I'm a vegan. Somebody else says, I had that. Has that fish been tested for mercury? And is the bread gluten-free. So I know you got troubles building your team. Uh, all of us do. But you want to make sure that, uh, and by the way, you can't make any good hires until you make a few bad ones. So just, just go with that. It's going to happen. If you want to make sure that people are playing on the right position, there's a place that every team member adds the most value. And I would just say this, and I don't have time to unpack it for you. There's a place where every team member adds the most value, and for some team members, that's on another team. 
You got two choices with folks. You can train them or you can trade them. That's all you can do. Train them or trade them. So you invest in them if they're worthy of that investment, you trade them if they're not. And maybe they're going to find their place of where, where they're going to be effective as well. Many, many teams have an onboarding process. This is what it's like to be in our company. This is what it's like to work on our team. But few have taken the time and the energy to develop an offboarding process. What do I mean by that? No person that is relieved of their responsibility, in other words, gets fired, should be surprised. There should be steps along the process where you're having that candid conversation couched with care because you built the relationship so that if that decision is ever made, it's not a comfortable one, I don't enjoy it at all, but I have made it, surprised. Offboarding, that's the offboarding process. To build a team capable of going to the next level and beyond, it is necessary to invest in people. Now I'm going to ask you one quick thing here. Do you believe this is true? The quickest path to growth for a department, a team, an agency, or a company is through the growth of their people. And the greatest asset that a company has is what? Their people. It's people. Would you say this is true? Mostly true, absolutely true, mostly false. Okay. I believe it's true, absolutely true. So I'm going to just run through this. You've heard a lot of it. Um, last thing, I just want to bring out one thing. When you make a mistake as the leader, own it. Just own it. Just deal with it. Admit it, say it out, move on. Learn from it. Um, Winston Churchill said, we try, we succeed, we learn. We try again, we fail, we learn more. And that's what it's really about. So that's me, and it's happy to be here with you. Thank you for the opportunity, and I'll just give it back to Kim here. And, uh, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. My pleasure. Thank you.